Hello, children. Welcome to Spring Branch Academy, where we are seeking to instill wisdom and inspire worship in every student to the glory of God. Today, we're continuing pluralism. We've considered what it means that many people can live in one nation and with different beliefs, and the ways that people have tried with the melting pot multiculturalism. We've seen that nations are started by language or religion, or location, or family, or politics. And we've seen that there's three options on how government can relate to religion. Uniformity, everybody's got to be the same. Tolerance, with an official state religion. But then other religions are allowed, but not funded. And religious liberty, everybody's on their own and the state or the government establishes no religion. Uniformity, tolerance, religious liberty. Well, we're going to shift gears right now and talk about other religions. There are three religions that claim Abraham as their father. Christianity, of which I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus, and I believe the Bible. Jews or Judaism, which they claim to believe only the Old Testament, and they claim to believe in the God of the Old Testament. Though Jesus said, if you don't honor me, you don't honor my father. And the Muslims, or Islam, which also claims Abraham, but then has their own prophet, Muhammad, and has their book, the Quran. They deny the Trinity, and they definitely don't believe that Jesus is the final revelation, and they don't believe Jesus is God. And so what sets the true religion, the worship of Jesus, and the Bible apart is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God and three persons, three persons and one God. The resurrection of the dead, as Jesus is raised from the dead and is made Lord in Christ, and salvation by grace, that entering heaven is a gift, not something we do by works or by our good intentions or by feeling bad. It is done through what Jesus does, and we trust him for it. With regard to language, we've seen that there are phrases and clauses and sentences. And the major kind of clauses are main clauses and subordinate clauses. And that gives us then four sentence structures. We have then the, the main sentence. We have the simple sentence. That's just one main clause. The compound sentence, which is two main clauses. The complex sentence, which is a main clause and a subordinate clause. And the compound complex sentence, which is two main clauses and one or more subordinate clauses. I'm a high school teacher, and I see on papers from time to time these two errors on writing sentences. I see run-on sentences that just go on and on and on and on and on and don't have a period where they should have a period. That is when you have more than two main clauses. And then I see fragments when it's only a subordinate clause and there's no main clause in the sentence. A, sub, a fragment is use, usually starts with a conjunction. 
So it starts with something like, because he went to the store, when it rains outside, after I come back, although I was here yesterday, and you can understand from each of those, something is missing. That's a sentence fragment, a subordinate clause without a main clause. So if you can catch those two, you will make this high school teacher thank God that you learned how to write a complete sentence. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said this often, especially with regard to his parables. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then Peter confessed, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. God the Father revealed that to Peter. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then with regard to Jesus' mission, his own words are, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. There's debate on what that means, children. When Jesus said, Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Some people say it means that he came to obey all the law. Some people said he means to come and explain to the fullest all the law. But I think it refers to more than the law. It refers also to the prophets. And in the rest of the Gospel of Matthew, fulfill refers to prophecies. And so it makes sense that he says, Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished, meaning all happens. Jesus came to make sure the entire Old Testament happens because it's all prophecy, whether directly or indirectly, and Jesus fulfills every institution, every event, every person, and how they all combine to point forward to him. He is truly a powerful and wonderful Savior. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, hopefully you've been practicing your Beatitudes. See if you can finish it for me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they. Blessed are the meek, for they. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they. Blessed are the merciful, for they. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs. Give ear and hear the words of the wise and set your heart to what I know. For words are pleasant when they arise, assembled and ready from down below. That in the Lord may be your trust, I teach you now today, I must. Have I not written to you 30 words in counsel and information that you may learn, that you may answer the truth in recitation? Listen to this warning, children, about not being prepared. 
If you're lax when attacked, oh, the strength that you lack. If you're lax when attacked, oh, the strength that you lack. Do you get it? If you're lax, it's like relaxed. You're just limp. You can't fight. You can't rise up. You can't defend your family. You can't speak up when somebody's being hurt. Oh, the strength that you lack. If you're lax when attacked, oh, the strength that you lack. Well, do you remember a ratio, a rate, a proportion, a percentage? Remember the if-then statements. Those are conditional. And the converse is when you switch them around and you put the what was the then now as an if. A postulate is something you assume and a theorem is something you prove. Turn to your mom or dad and say, a postulate is something you assume and a theorem is something you prove. A point is a mere location. It's got no volume or width. And a line is an infinite number of points in a row. And a plane is an infinitely flat spread or sheet of points. Today we're doing a circle. A circle on a plane is a set of points equal distance from the center. So if you go from the center out to the circle to any point on the circle, it's always the same distance. You could measure it. That distance is called the radius. And if you go from one side of the circle through the center to the other side of the circle, that's called the diameter. And if you go around the circle, that's called the circumference. Circum actually means circle. Circumference. Now, you have a circle, a center, a radius, and a diameter. If you were to take the ratio, remember a ratio is a comparison of two numbers, and in math we write it as a fraction. If you take the ratio of the circumference to the diameter of any circle, it is always the same. We call it the number pi. And it's a Greek little letter that looks like a two-legged T, pi. Is the, circumf- is the ratio of the circumference to the diameter roughly about 3.1415. What are the first 12 multiples of 5? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60. Those are the first 12 multiples of 5. Now, we're doing chemistry. And we've seen that the smallest unit in chemistry, smallest piece of an element, is an atom. And in an atom are electrons, neutrons, and protons. And we've seen that when you change the number of electrons, you get ions. When you change the number of neutrons, you get isotopes. When the number of protons changes, that's due to radioactive decay. And if you want to bind or bond two of these atoms together to make a molecule, you have two ways to do it. It could be a molecular, a covalent bond. A covalent bond is when they share those valence electrons. Ah, 
But in an ionic bond, one of those guys stole an electron from the other, and so they have a different charge, and then they bond with an electrical bond, electrical attraction. So you have covalent bonds and ionic bonds. Let's talk about reactions today. Not when your sister or your brother says something you didn't like and you have to, oh, get a good reaction in your heart and confess that to Jesus and say, give me love. Not that kind of reaction. That's an emotional reaction. A chemical reaction is when you take two chemicals, substances, and you bring them together and they change their atom arrangements. And some atoms go over to the other side and they make new substances. They have different atoms in them. So that's called when reactants change into products. A reaction is when reactants change into products. Common reactions are combustion. When something reacts with oxygen, we say it burns. Or synthesis, when atoms combine to make something new. Or decomposition, when atoms break apart to go back to their original substances. Or redox, that's a change in a fancy thing called an oxidation number. You can ask your chemistry teacher about that someday. And an acid-base reaction. I love this one. It's when an acid and a base come together and react and you get a salt and water. I like it because sodium, remember, comes with chlorine and becomes sodium chloride. And even though sodium blows up and chlorine is a poisonous gas, We all like a little bit of sodium chloride called table salt. The pH scale tells us when things are acidic or basic, when they have a lot of acid or a lot of base. And so neutral is 7. And if you go less than 7, you become more acid. And if you go more than 7, you become more base. The highest you can get to is 14, and the lowest you can get to is zero. On either of those ends, children, your skin will burn. You don't want to touch an acid, and you don't want to touch a base, and you definitely don't want to drink it. Those are very harmful. In geography and chronology, we're reviewing the four empires. Remember this? Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, Greece, and Rome, Greece, and Rome, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, then God's kingdom. Rome is over there in Italy to the far west. Then if you move to the right, a little east, you get Greece, still on the Mediterranean Sea. But to get the first two, you have to go way to the east. On the Euphrates River is Babylon, a city, And then Persia is to the east of that, where modern Iran is. Rome and Babylon are cities, and Greece and Persia are regions, areas. Those are the first four empires that when God reset the empires, we learned that the other day. Babylon, Daniel, Ezekiel, exile, 70 years of Jerusalem, rock pile. Haggai, Zerubbabel, Joshua, recover. 
Ezra the scribe, Nehemiah the governor, come up to Israel, build up the temple, fill up the city. Now please, please repent. For 400 years, no prophet is sent. Who is Daniel? He's an exile in Babylon, quite gifted in dreams. Daniel resolved not to eat the king's meat. Daniel then solved what was seen in his dream. Daniel's three friends all refused to bow down. Daniel's high king was brought low to the ground. Daniel could read what was scrawled on the wall. Daniel still prayed when no prayer was the law. Then vision by vision he saw what would come, and fasting he prayed for his people's kingdom. May we too have such faith in adversity to be a Daniel in our day, resolved to do what is right, wise in interpreting what God gives us, and praying sincerely and with emotion for God's people and his kingdom. God bless you, children. Until next time.